Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. We have stepped into what's called the high priestly prayer. Can you think of anything that will reveal the heart of Jesus more clearly than how he prays to his father? Uh, This is a gift he gave to us. He meant it to be remembered. He meant it to be recorded. He prayed it out loud in front of them so that they would hear his heart. And uh, dear John wrote it down. And... uh, Passed it on to us so we can hear our Lord pray as well. Father, open our hearts. We come to your word, Lord, reverently. When you speak, your words are life. Jesus, we want to see you. If we could have been there with the 11, we'd do it. This is as close as we can get, but we ask you to let us see you and hear you. We want to become like you. You are our Lord, and we are your disciples. And we would follow you. Grace me, Lord, to just get out of the way and let us hear your voice loud and clear. And in your precious name we pray it. Amen. John 17, I'm going to uh, read just the first five verses. In the course of this prayer, he's, where is he? He's, uh, we have, uh, we've been, since chapter 13, all of this has happened in one evening. Uh, He began the evening in the upper room, washing his disciples' feet. Then they had a Passover meal. Uh, Judas goes out, and he's reporting him to the temple. And then while Judas is gone, Jesus teaches these chapters we've been hearing. What has he been teaching about? Well, he's been teaching about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's been been telling them, uh, this Holy Spirit is coming. He's going to be in you, no longer just with you. His power will be there. He says he's going to teach you all. All truth. He's going to open your understanding. Jesus is looking forward to the era of Pentecost, of the church full of the Holy Spirit. He knows what's coming, and he's describing what's coming. He says, you must abide in me, remain attached to me like a a branch does to a vine. I'm your source of life, and I will be with you. I'm going to ascend to heaven, but I'll be with you. I'll be there. I'm going to be your teacher. In fact, You are to follow me, listen to what I say, do what I do, just as I have listened to the Father and and done what I heard, spoken what I heard him say and did what I saw him do. You relate to me like I relate to the Father. You follow me. And this is the area you're going into. And he's been teaching all these things. He's talked a good deal about persecution, too. He said, boy, you're going to have it. And then he gets downright graphic, but I'm not going into that. He tells us this is some of the stuff that's going to happen to you. He says, but don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. You may die, but I've got this. You know, and uh, and he meant it. He meant uh, it's about eternal life. So we march ahead. John describes what happened physically, literally. He says, once he'd finished teaching those things, said he lifted his eyes and he looked into heaven. That's what the Greek says. He lifted his eyes and he looked into heaven and he said this. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son 
that the Son may glorify you. Would you say that? Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. That's very important. We're going to look at that. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Look at that phrase. As you gave him authority over all flesh. Say authority over all flesh. That's a telling phrase. He's, quote, he's referring to something, and I'll show you that later. And then he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Can you imagine a clearer statement than that? Glorify me together with yourself. He actually says beside yourself. Put me up beside you with the glory I had with you before the world came to be. That's what he says. We're talking today about his deepest desire. What would you pray for if you knew you were going to be executed tomorrow morning? A legion of angels? The rapture? A good lawyer? I think most of us would be fervently pleading for a miraculous change of circumstance, which is what makes Jesus' prayer that evening so amazing. He didn't ask to be rescued at all. He quickly acknowledged that the time had come for him to die, but then began to pray that God would give him the deepest desire in his heart. This is what he said. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the Son may glorify you. Would you read that? That's Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. That's it. That's the first thing he asked for. He wanted to give glory to God. To glorify someone, as Jesus is using that word here, means to raise that person to a higher level of esteem in the mind of others. It's doing something to expand people's love and admiration toward him or her. Now, did you follow what I'm saying? When you glorify someone, you raise them in the estimation, in the minds of other people. You lift them up. You lift them higher. Now, the word glory can mean other things in, in, in the Bible. It can mean also that brilliance of God's presence, that shining light of his presence and his, his power. So that you, can be in the, in the, you can see the glory of the Lord. And it's, it's as though his very spirit, his presence, the Holy Spirit, radiates like light. And it's, it's very bright. It's very real. So that's the glory of the Lord. But here, the way John's using it, it means when you glorify, it means to, to change the way people see him, to, to raise up more love, more admiration, more honor that goes to the Father. But how do you glorify someone who is already completely glorious? How do you give a meaningful gift to a God who, look, who lacks nothing? What would anyone give him that he would desire? Thankfully, there is something, not that he lacks, but that he deeply desires. And that's what Jesus asked for that evening, rather than his own safety. He prayed for the privilege of giving his father that gift. That was his deepest desire. What's yours? What's mine? The answer to that question is what we're asking the Lord to reveal us today through his word. 
I'm going to tell you, I, this has been this is an amazing venture through, for me through John. I, I, I could read all those words, as, and, and I don't know where you are with it, but I read all those words, they sound very beautiful, and I don't really have an idea what he's talking about. It's, it's got to be good. I'm, I trust he knows what he meant, and hallelujah, I believe it too, whatever it meant. And it's kind of the way I've looked at it. And then, and then as I get in it, and I begin to get into the language, and I begin to just say, Holy Spirit, you, you've got to show me. It begins to open up. And all of a sudden, I look at it, and I go, that's absolutely gorgeous. And I think you'll see that today. As soon as Jesus finished teaching his disciples, he began to pray out loud, first for himself. That's that first five, five verses we read just now. Then for the 11 disciples. That's verses 6 through 19. And finally for his church, all those who would believe in him through the preaching of those disciples. That's us. Afterward, he walked across the Kidron Valley to wait for Judas and the soldiers in a garden on the Mount of Olives. The other, the other gospels tell us he spent about an hour more in private prayer before Judas arrived. Jesus wanted this prayer that John has recorded for us to be heard and remembered. It was the final step in preparing his disciples for his departure. He wanted them to understand the faith that filled his heart as he approached the cross. Because he was about to do something that makes no sense from a human perspective. He would wait for his captors to arrive, put up no resistance when they seized him, refuse to defend himself during numerous trials, and allow himself to be crucified like a sheep led to slaughter. Why would he do that? What was his reward? To answer those questions, he allowed them to listen to him pray. John even describes the Lord's posture when he prayed. He says he lifted up his eyes and looked into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Now look at this. That's why you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give them eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and he whom you sent, Jesus, the Messiah. Since the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus had anticipated the cross. He spoke of it as my hour, meaning the moment when the Father would allow him to suffer and die. So he began his prayer by telling the Father he knew his hour of suffering had arrived, but by saying no more about it. He showed he, that he would meet it bravely. Then by asking the Father to glorify him so that he could glorify the Father, Jesus quickly, listen, looked past the cross to the rewards the Father had promised him as a result of the sacrifice he would make. I want you to see this. He, he acknowledges the cross. He says, my hour's come. And that's all he says about it. Everything else, he's, he, and he, he, be, he looks past the cross as though it were a done deal. He looks, he looks at and sees past it and calls that which is not as though it were. Do you notice he speaks of it in the past tense? It's a done deal. He says, Father, you, you've done these things. You know, you've given me these things. Everything is, 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 is a finished thing in his heart. So he's looking past the cross. There are a number of such, if you keep going, I'll just, I'll, maybe, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there we are, a number of such promises in the Bible, but, there, but here are two. Now, I want his wording, I even highlighted, had you say some of those, those phrases. He was using words that refer to specific promises in the Bible. Those were not just verbiage he's tossing out. 
He's quoting things, and, and, and he's, he's referring to promises that you can perceive. Through the psalmist, the father announced to the Messiah this. He said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Say that with me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, that is an amazing uh, psalm. The psalm is about the Messiah. In fact, it's the only place in the whole Bible that uses the term Messiah, at least in the Old Testament, that uses the term Messiah to mean the Messiah. There's once where it refers to Cyrus, but he ain't it. And it's once where it refers to Zedekiah, and he ain't it either. This is the only place. It pictures the triumphant Messiah at the end of time. When Jesus comes again, it's that picture. And so it... It, it, ha- it starts out, it says, what is it? it says, uh, why are the nations in an uproar? And the kings of the earth devising a vain thing. And so it's this confusion going on with all these, these Gentile nations all over the earth. He says, their, their, their judges take uh, counsel together against, against the Lord and his Messiah. It says anointed, but it's the word Messiah. That is the Messiah. Not simply a verb, it's, it's the Messiah. Against the Lord and his Messiah. Uh, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast their cords from us. In other words, let's break loose from their authority. Let's break loose from them. And then it says, the Lord laughs. <laughs> he looks down on these little men, you know, on, on the earth that are going to defy him. And it says, he will speak to them in his fury and terrify them. In his, uh, what was it? In, no, speak to them in his, his wrath and terrify them in his fury. Saying, as for me, I have set my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. In other words, in Jerusalem. I put my my Messiah in Jerusalem on his throne, and you will obey him. And then then the Messiah speaks. And he says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. For he has said to me, thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. Now, Paul, in Acts chapter 13, verse 33 says that that statement refers to the resurrection. It's not talking about the origin of Jesus. It's talking about the resurrection. And it's, so, it's, it's, so it's speaking of the moment where he is resurrected. And the father says to the son, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. What's happened? He's seeing the resurrected, his resurrected son as the firstborn of a new race of human beings. Of resurrected men and women. You see it? He is now the firstborn of a whole new race. How many plan to join? uh, You're you're in that race. Yeah, me too. There's only two races. There's the old Adam's race and there's this resurrected family. I'm in that one. Uh, So the father says to this son. Now, hang on. The father says to this son. He says, ask. And then he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession." What was the first thing he said to the Lord? The Lord, the resurrected Lord said there on, 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 on uh, the Mount of Olives, as he's about to ascend into heaven, he says, you, you are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where else? The very ends of the earth. Why? They're mine. I have asked the Father. You're hearing him ask the Father. This is where he's doing it. He says, I've asked the Father for my promise. And he has promised me the very ends of the earth is my possession. And the thing goes on and says, and you will, you will shatter them with a rod of iron and break them like earthenware. And, in other, and that's, that's, of course, speaking of the, of the returning Lord, uh, destroying the nations and, and Armageddon and all, those, all that great battle. But Jesus says this. He says, 
I'm asking for my promise. You told me I could have the nations as my inheritance. I want them. And he says, I'm going to send my army out. But here's what we're going to do. You have given me authority over all flesh for this reason. Not to crush them like pottery. But to do what? Give them eternal life. So he says, I'm sending my army to the very ends of the earth. And we are going to fight this battle. And we are going to win people. And we are going to pull people out. And we're going to fight all over this, this planet. I want the very ends of the earth, Father. Give me my inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? You're hearing him. He's looking right past the cross and saying, I want my promise. You said, ask of me. And you'd give me the nations as my inheritance. Give them to me. Give me authority over all flesh that I might bring them to you. Wow. I moved if you aren't. Hallelujah. Paul, preaching to the synagogue at Pisidian Antioch, explained those words, prophesied the resurrection of the Messiah. And in the next verses of that psalm, we hear the Father tell the resurrected Messiah to ask him for a gift. And the glorious gift he would give him was the authority over all the people of the earth. Through the Messiah, pardon me, through the prophet Isaiah, this is the next promise that he took, the, the, the father announced to the Messiah, my servant, who would allow himself to die for the, quote, transgression of my people by rendering himself as a guilt offering, that following his resurrection, his reward would be the treasure of human beings rescued from judgment. You remember this? The Lord, you have that fabulous passage in there where it's like he allows himself like a sheep to be led to slaughter. His, he, he's been crushed for our iniquities, pierced through for our transgressions. Uh, by, by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, he's, he's bearing our iniquities. And then, then, the, then the Lord says this about him. The Lord says, if he will allow himself to become a guilt offering for the, for the transgression of my people. He said, he, he will see his offspring. That's the resurrection. He will see his offspring and he will divide the plunder with the strong. Now, what's the plunder? It's not gold. It's not gems. What is, what is the plunder that, this, that this, this crucified and resurrected Messiah wants? People. He will divide the plunder with the strong. And you see this, this victorious Lord. So just as he had been instructed to do, Jesus asked his father to glorify him, which meant above all else to grant him the authority to give lost humans eternal life by giving the son not only the power to forgive sins, but to resurrect the dead. The father made it possible for him to glorify the father by presenting him an eternal family of resurrected human beings. The son's gift to the father would be a great family of adopted children who will know and love him and Jesus the Messiah forever. Then Jesus prayed, I glorified you upon the earth, finishing the work which you gave me to do. And now, now look at my translation, because it's accurate. And now glorify me, Father, beside yourself. Say beside yourself. Beside yourself. With the glory which I had beside you, say beside you, beside you. before the world came to be. I have no idea why the translators don't translate that accurately, but that is what it means. He was asking the father to restore him to his rightful place of honor at the father's right hand. In Psalm 110, David wrote these words concerning the Messiah. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You remember this? 
David called the Messiah, who would be one of his physical descendants, Lord, and heard the Father exalt him to his right hand. So that evening, shortly before Judas arrived, Jesus called upon the Father to reward him for accomplishing the work which he had been assigned. And the reward he requested was that the Father would fulfill Psalm 110 by lifting him up into heaven and seating him beside him at his right hand. What I want you to see is Jesus used that verse a lot. So did Paul. So does Hebrews. I mean, it's a, that's a strong verse in the early church. They understood and he taught them that. Jesus taught them that. He taught them that verse. I am seated at the right hand. That's my reward. You hear what he's praying? So here he is within an, I would estimate an hour and a half. I mean, he's somewhere on the west side of the Kidron Valley. As we'll, we'll read in, in chapter 18, he goes then across the Kidron Valley and right up there to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's where we think it is, it's on the lower slope of the, uh, the Mount of Olives. So he goes over there and he waits. He waits for Judas and the troops to arrive. He waits about an hour. So how far are we? An hour and a half out? Something like that until he's going to be arrested. He prays, he lifts his eyes, he looks into heaven. His, his 11 are sitting here, they're somewhere in the moonlight. And he says, Father, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. The hour has come, it's time. The hour has come, I'm going to die. But here's what I ask for. You said that the, I was to ask and you would give me a gift. You said that you would lift me and put you, me beside you and give me all authority over all flesh. I'm asking for that authority, and here's why I want it. I want it so I can give them eternal life. I want it so I can bring them to you. I want it so that the day will come when I give you a massive family. I love you, Father, and I want to give you my gift. Grant me the authority to do so. Is that beautiful or what? That's your Lord. That's your Savior. That's how he prays. Hallelujah. One thing. If you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? Now think carefully before you answer. Don't answer iPhone 10 or a Tesla or more hair. What is your deepest desire? What do you want more than anything else? Love, peace, healing, purpose? Let me ask the question another way. What will you say to God when he asks you what did you do with your life? What one thing will you point to as the most important thing you've ever done? Because Jesus clearly knew the one thing he wanted. And he let his disciples listen to him ask for it because he wanted them and us to desire the same thing. He wanted his one thing to be our one thing. The son's gift. Jesus' greatest desire was to glorify God. That means he wanted more people to love the Father. By putting on human flesh and ministering and teaching among us, he had already dramatically changed the way we think about God. He had shown us God's purity, his power, and his desire to save even the most sinful. But there was a much greater gift of glory waiting to be given. Jesus' ultimate goal was to present the Father with a massive family of resurrected sons and daughters, who would be able to enter with him into the very throne room of God. People who would love and delight in his father forever. For that to happen, there was still much work to be done. First, he must remove the judgment against us for our sin. And then he must break the power of death to hold our bodies in the grave. 
And finally, after that work was done, he must empower his people to gather souls from all over the earth and from every generation until the last soul who will come has come. This is going on now. This is the season we're living in now. Jesus has said, give me authority. And the Father has given him authority over all flesh. And we're in a season right now while all flesh is being brought into submission to Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says here. Paul describes what will happen next. Then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to, God and to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he, Jesus, I added these inserts, he, Jesus, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death, for he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his, Jesus' feet, but when he, the Father, says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he, the Father, is accepted who put all things in subjection to him, Jesus. Did you follow what Paul just said? God, the Father, said because of your cross, because of your obedience, because you have borne the sin of the world and, 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 and obeyed me perfectly, he says, I command all creation, all creation, spiritual and physical, to submit to you, my son. To such an extent that Paul has to say, of course, the father isn't submitted to the son in that way. But he's, he's the one who's accepted. But everything else is. Everything's been commanded to submit to the son, Jesus Christ. When all things are subjected to him, this season we're in, when all things are brought into subjection to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that the father may be all in all. This beautiful picture of the, of the earth being brought into to submission, the, the, the worlds, even the spiritual worlds, the angels, everything else, brought into submission to the son. And then the son takes all of this and he offers it up to his father as a gift. He gives his father a world that is now brought back into submission to the heavenly father, which was his original intention. Is, is that beautiful? In that great gift will be this massive family of resurrected human beings. It's you, it's, you're in there. You're right over there to the left. You see it? You're, you're waving. That's you. You'll be there. You're part of his great gift to his father. All of this being offered to him. Everything to the father. The son glorifying his beloved father. You and I understand what Paul just said. He said that as a reward for his obedience to the cross. The father glorified his son by giving him authority over all creation. So that it, why don't you read this with me? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' assignment from the Father is to bring this rebellious creation, both physical and spiritual, into submission to himself 
either willfully by repenting and believing or forcefully by death and judgment. Then when his assignment is complete, the son will present himself along with a great host of resurrected humans as a gift to his father. And in doing so, he will glorify the father by presenting to him an enormous multitude of hearts that love him and honor him for his kindness in saving them. So looking past the cross to the promises in scripture about the resurrected Messiah that evening, Jesus asked the father for the authority to bring all things into submission to himself so that the day would come when he could glorify God by giving him you. How should we respond to such revelation? Well, first of all, we need to ask ourselves the question, have I bowed my knee to Jesus freely and willfully? Because if I haven't, the day will come when I will be forced to do so at his judgment seat. Do you understand that? There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We are in a season right now of his great mercy in which God is in, the, the war is on, but the, the, the human being is still, has, been, has been given free will and, 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 and actually the drawing of the Lord uh, to come to him and to, to bow our knee willfully. That's all it's submission, that he is our Lord, uh, that, we, that we allow him to come in and, and rule our life and change our morals and change our speech and change our attitudes and make us like him. We have submitted our days to him so that we will live for him. It's not about us anymore. We are his disciples. We are, we are his people. He is our Lord. And so there's this bowing of the knee. Those who do not will bow their knee. And they will bow and they will call him Lord at the judgment seat of God. That's simply the way the Bible teaches it. If I haven't, the day will come when I will be forced to do so at his judgment seat. In this, if in this season I'm able to repent and believe and thereby become part of his gift to his father, I want to choose that, don't you? I want to gladly and freely bow my knee to him as my Savior and Lord. The second question we need to ask ourselves is this. How will I glorify him, the Father? What gift can I bring him? Yes, as a believer, I will be part of the Son's gift to the Father. But will I come before him empty-handed? And that's where the fact that Jesus has granted us his authority shows us what is possible. He has empowered us to give the Father a gift of our own. Listen, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. He is he has told us that we can come before the Father in his name and ask for whatever we need. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about what in his name means. Anybody remember what that is? That's what I thought. <laughs> it's worth reviewing. To ask for something in Jesus' name is not to tag that phrase on the end of your prayer. It is not like, say whatever you want, stick that on the end, and God's going, oh, you said the right phrase. There we go. You get it. It doesn't work like that. When you and I do something in somebody's name, it means we come uh, as their representative. We come in obedience to them. We come as their servant. Okay? So when I ask for, some, to ask for something in Jesus' name, it means I have to, first of all, go find out what he wants. Before I pray, 
I have to stop and say, Father, or Lord Jesus. I start with, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to pray? What do I pray here? You know, I did that in the last week, and this really changes your prayers. Uh, it, <laughs> I was about to rail and go off and, you know, ask for all kinds of stuff that I felt I needed. And I, I thought, well, I better do what I said. And so I thought, uh, <laughs> Lord Jesus, what do you want me to pray for? And boy, he answered me right away. Patience. I said, anything else? (laughs) It just made my heart sink. It just made my heart sink. I thought, oh, no. Really? I'm telling you, when you ask him what he wants you to pray, it won't be what you want to pray. Now, I did pray for patience. I asked, all right, Lord, I get it. I ask you to give me patience. Boy, was he right. Circumstances in that situation emerged in a way that I had no idea they would emerge. All kinds of things happened that I could not have possibly known what to pray for. But by being patient, holding my fire, just trusting him through it, I watched him lead the process. You follow this? So the first step in finding, praying in his name is what? You ask Jesus for his will. Let me, let me give you a phrase so you say it out loud. I don't think you have it. Discover his will. Say that. Say it again. That's the first step. You want to pray a prayer that will get answered? Number one, discover his will. Don't toss off one of those anything you want and say, if it be thy will, that's just a punt. If you don't know if it's his will, don't pray it. Just stay quiet till you do know something. You settle it in your spirit. What is he asking me to pray for? Number two, when you do know, you go to the Father and you ask boldly. You boldly ask. You come right, and because this is the Lord Jesus has given you, you come and you boldly ask. <laughs> I was able to boldly ask for patience, hallelujah, and I received that which I asked for. Number three, well, say ask, ask, number two is ask boldly, ask the Father boldly. Say that. Ask the boldly. Number three, Pray through to the assurance. Say that. Pray through. You're not done when you just mouth the words. You pray until there is a lifting of the burden. You pray until there is a spiritual witness within that the prayer has been heard and received. How long does that take? Can take a few minutes. Can take a few weeks. Can take a few months. It depends. Some are tough. Some are hard for us. Some are easy. It's just, it, it just is what it is. But you'll know, I promise you, when you pray through and the, and the Lord finally says, you've got it, you'll know you've got it, and you will not have to manufacture a faith. You will not have to sit there and try to pump yourself up like a leaky tire. You know, like, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You'll, it'll be in you. Because he said it was. And when you hear the voice of the Lord, when the Lord speaks to you, you know you've heard. It's as simple as that. Faith is there because I heard him. He said he'd do it. It's just just like that. Number one, I'm going to do this once more. You're suspicious. Number one, discover his will. Say that. Number two, ask the Father boldly. boldly. Number three, pray through to the assurance. assurance. All right, I'll move on. But I want you to see, Jesus has really given you authority. You can, you can begin to change the world. 
You can begin to change your family. You can begin to change your workplace. You can begin to change all sorts of stuff. When you begin to pray properly in the authority in Jesus' name, you have a ferocious authority not to hurt people, but to use it for salvation. You understand? Purpose of authority. Jesus could not have explained the reason that God gives a person spiritual authority more clearly than when he said this to the Father, That's why you gave him authority. Now, that's my translation of a particular word in it, and I I really worked at it. That's why you gave him authority over all flesh. So that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Father, you gave me authority over all flesh, not to crush them with a rod of iron. I will do that at the end of time as it's necessary. But you gave me authority over all flesh so that I may give them what? Eternal life. You gave me this authority so I could use it to save people. God gives authority to those who will use it to lead others to eternal life. That's why he gave Jesus all authority. And that's why Jesus shares his authority with us. It's he's empowering us to glorify God by bringing to him a gift of our own. The people we helped to find God. They are our treasure in heaven. Like Jesus, the day will come when we too may present a gift to our father. Not to earn our salvation, but because our delight will be to delight his heart. By giving him his greatest desire. More sons and daughters. What does the father long for? What could you possibly give God that he would want? People bringing his love, bringing his salvation, bringing his healing, bringing his life to people. That's what he wants. That is a beautiful thing to him. It is a precious gift to him, which he receives and loves. We have just a couple examples. We have a simple little bookmark around here. Uh, It's called Life Transformation Groups. We don't have a formal program at all. Uh, years ago, we kind of taught on it and even had the author of the thing uh, come and speak to our men's retreat many years ago. And uh, we, we kind of got this in motion and it still happens. People are still in what we call LTGs, life transformation groups. And you take the little bookmark. One side of the bookmark has these accountability questions. And it's, it's always men with men and women with women. It's usually no more than two or three. You just get together for maybe an hour or so a week and you ask each other these questions. They're very probing questions uh, and, and very helpful, may I add. I mean, it really, really does help <laughs> accountability. And, uh, and there's no policeman. Nobody's the cop. Nobody's the leader. You just come together and, and whoever's honest, off we go. The other side is what I want to talk about. The other side of the bookmark is this. It's prayers for the lost. And it's scriptural prayers with a blank in them. And you have these little things at the top. And you, you, each of you who in the thing write in the names of someone you're going to intercede for. Someone who doesn't know Christ. And you're going to, you pray them. And all you do is once a day when you take out that bookmark to read the Bible. You just read that name down through these like ten prayers. They're all scriptural prayers. Now that sounds very routine. It sounds very formulaic. It sounds like what, what, whatever. Hey, I'll tell you. Do it. And what you'll find is people start getting saved. It, 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 uh, this is what we don't realize. That when we start praying, people actually do come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
Things begin to change in their spiritual world, their thinking, their attitudes, the, the influences, the forces, the deception. You have that kind of authority. And those are things you're praying, by the way, in those prayers. And people begin to soften. And you'll watch people that haven't moved for years. Our own family is watching something remarkable right now. Remarkable. Really, some of the most resistant we've ever, we've ever had are now softening like amazing when and what have we been doing? This, basically, just hold them before the Lord, hold them before the Lord, hold them before the Lord, and here comes the softening. Don't you ever give up? Don't you give up? If people have a free will, and they have there's a journey they have to go through, and a process often. God, it's organic. God doesn't have a magic wand where He goes boink. They go, ah, I believe. <laughs> doesn't work like that. This is real. He's given them free will. He will not take it away from them. He wants them to love him and believe in him really. He's not looking for magic. He's not looking for robots. He's looking for sons and daughters. So he enters in when you pray. You have real authority. One more example. I've been, this may sound really silly, but I'll just, I shared it last night, so why hide my, my silliness now? I pray over the Middle East. And I have got a map, and I've been doing this now for, for a number of years. And I've been, I literally lay my hand nation by nation. Over, I start with Israel, and I pray for Israel, and I, and I pray for Gaza and West Bank, and I pray for these various things. Uh, and then I pray for uh, Egypt. I pray for the protection of the church. I pray for, 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 for freedom of religion to open up. I pray for the Lord's intercession. I pray for Saudi Arabia. I pray again that the Lord would open up the hearts and give grant mercy that they could hear the gospel, that it would come to them. I pray for Jordan. Uh, I, I pray for Lebanon. I pray for Syria, particularly for, for the God's mercy and compassion for that nation as uh, it's going through such horror. I pray for the Christians there and the innocent. I pray for, I pray for Iraq. I pray for Iran. Do you know that there's a lot of Christians in Iran? Yeah, there's a lot of underground Christians. There's quite a strong Christian movement in, in Iran. I mean, a large one. Uh, and you, are they our brothers and sisters? They need to be really interceded for. And I, I pray for that. I pray for the Kurds. That's, a, that's the fourth largest ethnicity in the Middle East. And, and they've been quite embattled. I pray for them. I pray for Turkey. I actually think Turkey's where the Antichrist will be. That's where Gog and Magog is. But I pray that that spirit of Antichrist would be held back. You, you know, you do, do not, do not get in that mindset where you say, well, it's just the end times. You and I, our job is to drive the end times back. Our job, because the end times come as the last, it's the process of the last soul on earth coming to Christ. It's the ringing out of the planet. Right now, Right now, we're not even close. We are the largest numbers of people coming to Christ in all of history are happening now. You can take a few years of the number of people that are coming to Christ today, just in this season, and you'll have more souls than in all of history before it. Do you follow what I'm saying to you? And if this gift is what the son wants for his father, this great massive family, and the father's heart is so big, he can love every one of us and know every hair on our head. He loves us all dearly and knows us intimately. There's no limit to how many children he can love. 
And if this great massive family is just swelling right now, this isn't the time. You and I are to be believing God, using that authority to press back, as it were, the end times. Not wish they were here. Push it back. Push it in our nation. Push it in our state. Push it in our city. We're to be warriors, not people embattled. Just, just hanging on. What's, I, I won't comment on it in any specifics because you're going to just think I'm nuts. But I actually think I see in the Middle East change. I think things are moving. And if you kind of follow what's going on, some remarkable things are happening in Israel, in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia. Things are moving in the Middle East. Do I think I'm doing it by myself? Of course not. Do I think he hears me when I pray in Jesus' name and I'm praying for the salvation of souls? Yes, I do. And we can pray for our own nation that way, can't we? I pray for Seattle. Have you been praying for Seattle? You can pray for Seattle, you can pray for anything. Come on. Yeah, I'm praying for Seattle. I think I see movement. You just use that authority he's given us. He's given us this authority for the same reason he used it for. All right, the Magi. I can't think of a better example of what it means to bring God a gift than the Magi who likely traveled from Persia to find Israel's newborn king. They were experts in studying the stars and saw from the stars that the Messiah had been born. So they rode eight or nine hundred miles to the town of Bethlehem. And when they arrived, they did this. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is treasure, treasure for a king. Frankincense is what's used in worship. It's the incense. And myrrh was used in preparing bodies for burial. They didn't come before him empty-handed. They brought gifts fit for a king. And so should we. Would you stand with me? So what will be your gift? What do you and I have in our hands? It's, one, it's good to worship him. It's good to tell him how much we love him. But I actually believe that the Lord has empowered us so that when we come to the Father, we're not earning a thing. We're giving him a gift for the same reason his beloved son gave him a gift. Out of just delight and love. To say, Lord, I've, I've been able to use my life to bring people to you. To influence people. To bring the healing love of God to people. You use me. And I'm grateful for it. That's our gift that we bring to him. Blessed be the Lord. I want to ask a question. The gospel couldn't have been clearer today. You, you heard the statement that you and I are in a season of mercy. That this is the season when this great Messiah, having all authority, is not using it to shatter the nations with a rod of iron. But he's using and sending his army to bring eternal life. To bring salvation. Right now he's conquering hearts. The day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at his judgment seat. Then it's over. The mercy's over. But I just, if you listen to this and if it, if it, 
it, it struck you, you say, I, I, I choose today. I really hear you. I love this Jesus Christ uh, that I see in the Bible. I choose to follow him and submit to him as my Lord. And, he, and I will bow my knee to him gladly now with a whole heart. He's my Lord and I will trust his cross and he is my savior. I just want to give a moment of invitation. Anybody who says, I need to say that today. Uh, it needs to be a statement of my heart. I, I, I am bowing my knee to him. If you wanted to raise your hand, I'll just stand in agreement with you. It's just a moment. The gospel's been here and I, it's not a game. The word's here. The spirit's here. It's just an opportunity I felt I should invite. If anyone wants to say, that's my day, pastor. I'm choosing him today. He's my Lord and he's my savior. I wanted to give you that opportunity. Anyone want to raise your hand and just I'll agree with you right now. Thank you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Savior. Yes, I see your hand. This is not. Yes. He, he, the Lord sees your heart. I see two hands. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit looks for, he, he looks for sincerity. If the, when, when my heart bows to him and says, Lord, this is my moment. And what are we giving up? We're giving up our selfishness. We're giving up our independence. No longer will we ever live life without God. And we're giving up our rebellion. He, we're saying to him, he has the right to lead. He has the right to change. He has the right to boss me around. He's my Lord. He's the holy one. He's the wise one. He's the good one. I will follow him. I gladly put my hand in his and let him lead. Anyone else, you just need to say yes to that and bow your knee to him. Yes, praise God. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. All right, church, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your son. You have given him all authority in heaven and earth to save us. I, this day, gladly bow my knee and call him my Lord. Jesus Christ, I honor you. I follow you. My Lord, my teacher, my friend, my savior. Jesus Christ, you died on the cross. You died my death. You died for my sins. You paid my price. I should die for my sins. But you mercifully took my place. With all my heart, I reach out in faith. And I put my arms around your cross. And I will never let go. You are my savior. And because of you... My sins are forgiven, washed away. They are forgotten as far as the east is from the west. The Lord will hold them against me no more. And I'm a child of God, beloved and blessed in him. Hallelujah. Now, the, uh, I, one more thing I want to do. If you prayed that, what you just did, we did two things. Is you repented, which is the surrender to Jesus Christ. And you believed in his finished work on the cross. And that those two things bring righteousness. 
And right now you stand fully righteous before God and he gives you his beloved son, Jesus. He gives you everything. There's nothing he withholds from you right now because you put your faith in his beloved son. And so one of the most things Jesus has just taught us so clearly, he says, I want the Holy Spirit not only to be with you, I want him to come and live within you. And what he has done is made your very body righteous. Now, I don't know what you've done. I know what I've done. And I know he wouldn't live here if it weren't for Christ. But my body has been paid for with a price. I've been cleansed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So have you, if you believe in him. So now the Holy Spirit can come and live within my very body. And he lives within yours. So if you, would you put your hand on your heart? You're literally laying hands on yourself is what we're doing. And we're praying this. Pray after me if you would. Dear Holy Spirit, Spirit, come now. You are my promised gift. Given to me without limit. Come rivers of living water. Come powerful spirit of God. The fire of God. Dwell within me as a living temple. I welcome you now. All of you, never leave me for all eternity. I need your gifts. I need your strength, your wisdom, your protection, your guidance. I receive now the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of faith, gifts of healings, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I receive all the gifts of the Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, Spirit. have your way, way. in Jesus' powerful name I pray. Lord, I pray right now for those who are responding in open heart and sincerity, Lord. I ask for protection, I ask for the fullness of the Spirit, I just agree. Thank you God for just releasing, opening ears and eyes, softening hearts. Thank you, Father. We yield our tongue to you in worship. We yield our tongue to you prophetically. We ask, oh God, that you would bring and open our ears to hear the word of the Lord. Every one of us walking in the things of God, walking in the spirit of the Lord, we receive that. Cover us now, Lord. And we would ask for authority, authority to pray and see eternal life brought to people. Grant us such authority. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.